We come across today the cleansing of the temple by Jesus, and it is not the typical image that we have of Jesus Christ. It shocks us at first. We are used to seeing the tenderness of Christ and his friendly teaching and how he approaches the minds and tries to explain the truth. We see him blessing children, welcoming the sinner. But today we see this moment when he comes into the temple and he you know, creates a whip out, out of courts and starts expelling all these people who were selling for the temple for the sacrifices. And it shakes us at first as it shook all those who were there, the onlookers at that moment. And this tells us at first that something important is at stake if it demands such a drastic measure by Jesus. This is one of his first actions in his public ministry. The first one, you know well, might be the most uh, famous miracle of Jesus when he, was, when he goes to Cana in Galilee and he transforms the water into wine. And at the end, John says, and his disciples began to believe in him because of that miracle. The next thing that they do is they go from there to Jerusalem to do their daily, uh, annual visit to the temple. And it is in that moment that Jesus begins to expel the vendors from the temple. But the disciples, even though they were shaken like everybody else, they understood that there was a deeper meaning to what Jesus was doing. They knew well in their hearts that there was something that wasn't right and they, didn't, they couldn't solve it themselves. They knew that the Messiah would come and he would have that mission of cleansing the temple. And so John also specifies that in that moment they recalled the words of Scripture, zeal for your house will consume me. They knew how to interpret that, that uh, action of Jesus. Zeal for his house consumes him. He comes to restore the temple to what it's meant for. We find ourselves today in this Lenten season almost at the halfway mark. You know, three Sundays into Lent. And we are confronted with the cleansing of the temple as well. And St. Paul says it in the form of a questions, question in 1 Corinthians, where he says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? The Lord comes to restore our temple, our lives, and there is something great at stake, a great restoration that Jesus wants to perform in our lives. And during Lent, we tend to think more, more about ourselves. What do I give up? What are the kind of things that are not right? What can I do more for others? And those are very good, and we need to be thinking about those things. But we can summarize it in this way. We tend to think during Lent about our own holiness. But have we contemplated the holiness of God? God wants to reveal His holiness first. He attracts us to Himself in that way, by the magnificent revelation of His holiness. That at that, like at that moment of the theophany in 
in Mount Sinai when God meets with Moses to bestow upon him the law. And it was in the midst of clouds and, and lightning and, and trembling that the people of God saw the awesome presence of God, the holiness of God. And then they carried those tablets always with them to be mindful of the holiness of God and who was with them. The God warrior who would win battles for them and, and do fulfill every single promise that he made to the people of Israel. And there were those same tablets that were kept in the temple where the holy of holies would dwell. And so it is first and foremost the holiness of God that attracts us to himself. And St. Peter, he puts it in his letter in a very succinct and very good format. He says, quoting Leviticus, For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. My holiness comes first, and that demands a response of holiness from us. So Jesus comes into the temple, into the temple of Jerusalem, and into the temple of our lives to restore the order, to focus our attention, to put first things first in our lives. Restoration is possible. And in the first reading, we read the kind of restoration that needs to happen in our lives. We read the Ten Commandments, where God shares His law. What is that structure for our lives? how we ought to live in the right way. And it is striking that the first three commandments, they pertain to our relationship with God. How can we respond to that magnificent revelation of God's holiness? How our relationship with God has to be. And then the next seven are about our relationship with others. And what God is saying by that and by trying to restore ourselves in, in the right direction is that who we worship, who is first in our lives, has a huge impact in our lives, in our relationship with others. That sets our life in the right or in the wrong direction. We don't think that way. Sometimes we think, or we could have this, this thinking that it doesn't really matter how you pray, who do you believe in, if you believe in God or not. What truly matters is, you know, what you do for others. If you're a good person, if you, you know, live charitably, if you think of others. That's what truly matters. I remember uh, when in Argentina we were offered to work and evangelize at one of the local prisons there. It's a huge, huge place, 3,000 inmates. And so we went for the first time to meet with the director of, the, of this prison, and we presented to him all the program that we wanted to do. So, you know, we went on for 40 minutes presenting all these things that we wanted to do. And then at the end, the director said, almost he didn't say this, but he said, yeah, I mean, you, you can sing your songs, you can, like, you can do your thing. Uh, just fathers know that we need to keep, you know, the, the safety of everyone. We'll keep doing our thing, but 
yeah, sure, you can go into a chapel and sing your songs and do your thing. Uh, I mean, it's not going to do much, and yeah, just do your thing. And so we started, we, we went, and we said, like, this man of little faith. And so we started going and, and started celebrating the Mass and doing retreats, and some hearts began to catch fire. And the whole culture and atmosphere of that prison began to change because those hearts began to change. And once there was, uh, you know, we were at home and received a call from this same director from the prison, and he was saying, Father, can you come and, uh, you know, there's a little riot in one of the sections, and we wanted to come and, like, do your Mass or whatever you do so that they can quiet down, because we see that when you guys do your thing, you know, people are really better. Mm -hmm. So that's what, how things really are. If God is in the center of our lives, then things are truly set aright and in the right order. If the temple is cleansed, Jesus knows this, and restored to right worship, then the rest of the mission of the Messiah will bear fruit. So what are those first uh, three commandments? We can call them the three fundamentals in our relationship with God. The first one, I am the Lord your God, and there's no other. I am the Lord your God, and there's no other. What we worship or who we worship defines truly who we are, what's of highest value in our lives. We have this tendency as human beings to give our hearts to the things that we do. So we are almost like prone into worshiping, to worshiping the things that we do. So it is good for us to ask ourselves, who do I worship? What's of highest value in my life? What has the first place in my life? Is it my work? Is it my studies? Is it my family, my sports, my career, my projects, my future, my friends, my boyfriend, my girlfriend? What is it? What is it that has the first place in my life? Because if we put anything first, anything that, that is not God, we will inevitably hurt ourselves. We'll always end up in frustration and unfulfilled. So we can ask ourselves that question today. Do I do everything that I do to please God in the first place? Whatever it is that I am doing, but I do it truly to please God in my heart. That means that He is the first and there's no other. The second one is, you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. You shall not take the name of the Lord in vain. Our speech matters and that's why we watch it so much in our relationship with others. We need to be careful about the words that we use. We need to treat people with respect, people in authority uh, with us or, or everyone, you know, friends. You need to keep, in order to keep a good relationship and to safeguard it, we need to watch our words and we know that. The same happens with God. And that is what he means by the second commandment. He demands that respect from us because in that respect, in that respecting our words and our behavior, we can be in right relationship with God. It is a reverence that protects humility, the humility of knowing, knowing that He is God and that we are not. That's what the second commandment safeguards in our lives. 
And in the third place, remember to keep the Sabbath holy. In other words, that if we don't externalize and make concrete the first commandment to love God above all things, you, we can quickly find ourselves worshiping other idols in our lives. Isn't this true? Like you don't come to Mass for one Sunday, two Sundays, three Sundays, four Sundays, and then of the sudden you don't have the, the need to, to go to Mass anymore, and we start putting other things in the first place. So it is important because it safeguards God in the first place in our lives. God does not need our worship, but He knows that in worshiping Him, our whole lives are in order. So this is the work of restoration that Christ wants to do in us in this Lenten season. The priority given to worship of God for Him to be in the first place in our lives so that we can live our lives in the right orientation. The first entering of the temple that we know of from the scriptures is when Jesus was 12 years old. You remember that passage when he goes into the temple with Mary and Joseph and they, they lose him and then they find him again and he's you know sitting down and explaining, asking questions and giving answers and explaining almost the law of God with great peace of heart. The second time is in great zeal that he comes and expels everyone so that he can redirect worship towards God. And this is at the beginning of his public ministry. I think that that is the process that Christ wants to take us through in this Lenten season so that we are not just like fixing little things here and there. What do I give up? What do I start doing? But so that we direct our lives completely towards God, that we put him in the first place, that we protect our worship of God, and then everything else falls into place. So I want to leave you with this question. What do I need to change so that the worship of God is first and foremost in my life? What do I need to change on this Sunday so that the worship of God is first and foremost in my life? We can trust Jesus for restoration. We can trust him for restoration because we know that he's the divine architect. We just read in the gospel today, he knew the human heart and didn't need anyone to tell him about humanity. He knows us very well. He knows our hearts. He knows how we are wired. He knows how we are meant to work. He wants to restore us, to restore the right order in our lives. Restoration is possible.